Blog Talk Radio. recognizes Mr. Adams of Massachusetts. Objects of the most stupendous magnitude. Measures which will affect the lives of millions, born and unborn, are now before us. We must expect a great expense of blood to obtain them. But we must always remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate, as there is nothing on this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania spoken with great ingenuity and eloquence. He has given you a grim prognostication of our national future, but where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world. Not an empire, but a republic and a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution, the most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves, and the children 
I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end we have in sight is more than worth all the means. I believe, sirs, that the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready to stake upon it. While I live, let me have a country. A free country. Republic, understand the times we are in. Just got off the phone with one of my fellow patriots, actually. Um, was, um, let me talk, and I missed the meeting this afternoon. I had to work, but uh, I could have gotten off, but we got confused on the time, so that's fine. But the next one uh, we'll definitely be at. So, But um, so we talked about maybe doing a podcast here tonight, and most importantly, probably you know, remember a lot of things that a lot of people don't do across this country memorial day you know or any or most part of all the holidays that we have in this country that we don't really practice them the way they should be practiced or the way that really the what they were meant and set up to be in remembrance of and thereof and how and why you know you see we don't generate those thoughts in our head we just look at a day off from work or a day on the grill, or, you know, and uh, a lot of people take offense to that, actually, and and uh, some of us, you know, when we're young, we don't think about it because we're indoctrinated by our parents or, or our peer pressure, or our friends, or what have you, or the TV, or music, or whatever, whatever it may be, but as you get older in life, you start to realize that, you know, these days were put aside for a reason, and that reason should not be forgotten, because these are the truths and and freedoms that we hold so dear that that these men paid the ultimate, ultimate price for they gave their lives. And for anyone who has bled in their service of their country or or has uh, come through on the other side and still lived to tell about it today, um, you are the people that can talk about these things and understand and appreciate what it means to give up your life for what you believe in. Uh, I myself, when I was doing what I was doing, you know, I knew that there was a chance that I could be killed, but I still carried on doing it. So, you know, and, and we all, you know, some of us take that burden with uh, pride. Some of us take it with fear. Others just don't even think about it at all. But one thing is for certain, all of us do do is, or have done, is that we took that chance to pay the ultimate sacrifice. So that's why we give credit where it's due to those who did. They're not able to listen to this podcast today. They're not able to have a hamburger on the grill. They're not able to call their friends and talk 
and have a good time or make plans for the future. They're not able to cash their paychecks at the end of the week anymore or or go out shopping or, or just to go out to the park or whatever you want to do for fun that you enjoy doing, guess what? You get to do that because we had men and women in uniform that paid the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their life for what you like to do and enjoy doing, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be a parade. It doesn't have to be saluting the flag. It doesn't have to be paying your tax. It doesn't have to be anything. But it's all of it, and it's everything. And that's what it is, because they gave their life for you. For you and those freedoms you get to enjoy today. Even though we are losing those freedoms because of our own apathy and our own excuses, and for whatever reasons, whatever they may be, we are losing those liberties and freedoms today, slowly but surely, and most definitely forever. Because once you lose a freedom, they're not coming back. Once you lose something, it's not coming back in the way of liberty or freedom. The prices that were paid were paid for in blood. And you can't get it back unless you pay for it in blood. That's just the maximum of law. It's the way it goes. Because we are beyond reasoning and reason. We are beyond words. And we are more than ever beyond common sense in this country. And that's a fact. And it's a shame. And no, do I condone violence, and I don't condone anyone whatsoever hurting any other human being. On this podcast show, I do not do that. What I do condone is this. You use common sense, and you do what is right, and you obey the law, and you do things lawfully. We still have the Constitution on the books. We still have the law there in our favor. We still have people that can get in power and actually enforce those laws and keep the peace through those laws. We still have that ability. But we're losing it, that's for sure. Every conviction that comes down, Donald Trump, whoever it may be, you're losing something. It's not just them that are losing. It's you walking away saying, I'm glad it wasn't me. No, it is you. It is you. So, but what we talk about is when we talk about stuff like this, we talk about the ultimate award, and they're never really here to enjoy it or be receptive of it. And that's called the Medal of Honor. What is the Medal of Honor? Where it came from? Who gets it? How they get it? Very interesting subject. And I'll play a little documentary here tonight, a little one. It's very important to learn this and know this, a veteran, uh, fellow veteran uh, talked about it with me tonight and thought that would be a good idea to talk a little bit about this. So that's what we will do. We'll take phone calls. We always do. But if we don't take, have any, that's fine, too. It's a late. I didn't advertise the podcast, so, I, you know, that's fine. No big deal. But uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there with something to say or something that needs to be said. And I'm sure there's people out there that are afraid to call in. How many times do I get for when I do these late-night shows, for those of you that are listening? First-time caller, long-time listener, Joe. You know, I get them a lot of, you know, a lot of people listen. Or they go into the archive and they're going to work or they're driving their truck right now. or they're in a, Whatever they're doing, they'll be listening to me right now. 
late nights, you know, because they can't listen at the 7 o'clock hour. So, which is fine. You know, that's what it's there for. That's what the technology is there for. That's what the platform is there for. And that's why you get to listen and log in for free. Okay? And that's why we don't have commercials here on this podcast. So, let me get this little documentary here. And then, like I said, the phone number is 657-383-0616. And you have to press 1 to be connected to me. But we're going to do this Medal of Honor thing first. And uh, let's get to this... uh, 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 but I got pulled up here from what I've got so far on this. Uh, hopefully I didn't lose it here in the, in the midst of my opening. But, uh, yeah, Medal of Honor, very important. Um, amazing speech recipient, uh, Army. All right, let's see here. Let's see. Well, I had another one up here. I'll search while I get this one going here. They're not that long, so you're not going to be sitting there for hours. And everyone's got their dumb phones up their ass, and, you know, they're vibrating. And, you know, they got to make sure that, you know, they don't miss a text message and whatnot. Pay attention. Pay attention. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain seated during the presentations. The President of the United States of America... Authorized by Act of Congress, March 3rd, 1863, has awarded in the name of Congress the Medal of Honor to Staff Sergeant David G. Bellavia, United States Army, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty. Staff Sergeant David G. Bellavia distinguished himself by acts of gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty on November 10, 2004, while serving as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. While clearing a house, a squad from Staff Sergeant Bellavia's platoon became trapped within a room by intense enemy fire coming from a fortified position under the stairs leading to the second floor. Recognizing the immediate severity of the situation and with disregard for his own safety, Staff Sergeant Bellavia took up an automatic weapon and entered the doorway of the house to engage the insurgents. With enemy rounds impacting around him, Staff Sergeant Bellavia fired at the enemy position at a cyclic rate, providing covering fire that allowed the squad to break contact and exit the house. A Bradley fighting vehicle was brought forward to suppress the enemy. However, due to high walls surrounding the house, it could not fire directly at the enemy position. Staff Sergeant Bellavia then re-entered the house and again came under intense enemy fire. He observed an enemy insurgent preparing to fire a rocket-propelled grenade at his platoon. Recognizing the grave danger posed by the grenade to his fellow soldiers, Staff Sergeant Bellavia assaulted the enemy position, killing one insurgent and wounding another who ran to another part of the house. Staff Sergeant Bellavia, realizing he had an uncleared, darkened room to his back, moved to clear it. As he entered, an insurgent came down the stairs firing at him. Simultaneously, the previously wounded insurgent re-emerged and also engaged Staff Sergeant Bellavia. Staff Sergeant Bellavia, entering further into the darkened room, returned fire and eliminated both insurgents. Staff Sergeant Bellavia then received enemy fire from an insurgent emerging from a closet in the room. Exchanging gunfire, Staff Sergeant Bellavia pursued the enemy up the stairs and eliminated him. 
Now on the second floor, Staff Sergeant Bellavia moved to a door that opened onto the roof. At this point, a fifth insurgent leapt from the third floor roof onto the second floor roof. Staff Sergeant Bellavia engaged the insurgent through a window, wounding him in the back and legs and causing him to fall off the roof. Acting on instinct to save the members of his platoon from an imminent threat, Staff Sergeant Bellavia ultimately cleared an entire enemy-filled house, destroyed four insurgents, and badly wounded a fifth. Staff Sergeant Bellavia's bravery, complete disregard for his own safety, and unselfish and courageous actions are in keeping with the finest traditions of the military service and reflect great credit upon himself and the United States Army. What is the Medal of Honor? Very important right there. What is the Medal of Honor? Why the Medal of Honor? You know, uh, uh, people need to understand. A lot of people don't even know what the Medal of Honor is. And I probably should have put that one up there first, but uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get that going here. And uh, it's about five minutes long. Explain it in fine detail. Very important in the history of it and what it's all about. prestigious decoration that the United States military has to offer. Since 1861, out of the millions who have served in the U.S. military, only 3,507 individuals have received this award. They earned this prestigious award through bravery and sacrifice, risking and sometimes losing their lives, going above and beyond the call of duty. Join us today as we take a dive into all there is to know about the Medal of Honor. So, what is the Medal of Honor? You know it's the highest award, but that doesn't really tell you much beyond that. Did you know there are three different versions of the Medal of Honor? There's the Armies, Navies, and the Air Forces. As you can see, there are slight differences in each version. The Marine Corps and Coast Guard receive the Navy's version, and the Space Force receives the Air Force's version. In order to understand what the Medal of Honor is, it would help you to know why the award was created in the first place. Let's go all the way back to the Civil War. In 1861, President Abraham Lincoln signed into law the Navy's Medal of Honor, and in 1862, the Army followed. The Air Force would later have theirs come around in 1965. At the time during the Civil War, there was no structure as to how service members would receive recognition for their bravery and efforts. Even though it was originally meant for just the Civil War, Congress wound up enacting laws to make it permanent in 1863. It is the oldest continuously issued combat decoration of the United States Armed Forces. Jumping back to present day, we mentioned to you that there have been 3,507 recipients of the Medal of Honor, and you're probably wanting to know a little more about them. We'll give you a quick breakdown of what branches have received them, as well as what time periods they are all from. So we told you there are 3,507 recipients. However, there have been a total of 3,526 medals awarded. That's because 19 individuals have received the medal twice. Out of the 3,526, the Army has received 2,457 of them, the Navy has received 749 of them, the Marine Corps 300, the Air Force 19, and the Coast Guard has one. That means that every branch, besides the newly 
Swarm Space Force has received at least one Medal of Honor. Just keep in mind that these aren't just statistics, though. These are actual human beings who fought valiantly in war, sometimes paying the ultimate price. Here's a picture of all the time periods the Medal of Honor recipients fought in. As you can see, the majority of those who have received one fought in the Civil War time period. It should be noted that the criteria required to be awarded a Medal of Honor has changed over the years, with the most recent criteria being enacted in 1963. That does not discount the Medals of Honor awarded before these changes, however. If you're interested in understanding the process of how someone is awarded the Medal of Honor, we will briefly explain. First, a service member must be nominated by either their chain of command or by a congressman. If approved, the Medal of Honor is presented by the President on behalf of, and in the name of, the U.S. Congress. This process can sometimes take years. Did you know Medal of Honor recipients get a lot of perks and benefits? It should come as no surprise, though, as they have definitely more than earned it. It helps get them promoted, they receive a pension and extra retirement pay, entitlements to air transportation, and they even receive invitations to every presidential inauguration and inauguration ball. On top of this all, their children, if qualified, receive automatic appointments to any of the service academies. There are many more perks available to these heroes. And if you ask us, they definitely deserve more. If you want a better understanding of all there is to know about the Medal of Honor, we recommend you check the Congressional Medal of Honor Society's website out. They have information about the history of the recipients, the history of the medal, as well as a bunch of other things. We understand that it is tough to paint a picture of the stories behind the Medal of Honor recipients, so we will also leave a link in the description to the first ever reported Medal of Honor. It shows the unequivocal valor of Air Force CCT John A. Chapman, who was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor. Please watch the video, as we can't even attempt to do it justice by explaining it. Lastly, as we wrap up the video, we'd like to do something special. We at General Discharge are asking you to leave the comment, Medal of Honor, in the comment section below. For every individual's comment, up to 8,000 comments, we will donate $1 to the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. Again, that's from each individual commenter. Do not comment on our video three separate times. It's one per person. Please help us reach 1,000 comments. On Monday, November 2nd, we will tally the number of comments and donate that amount. Well, that is the down and dirty of the Medal of Honor. If you learned something from this video, make sure to give us a... All right, there you go. There you have it. Uh, so I think that's the best one I could find that gives up, uh, wraps it up, you know, and pretty much, uh, you know, uh, pretty much gives you what it's all about and the Medal of Honor. So now I think uh, um, the most important thing here is... Uh, and a recipient uh, given his uh, speech, so uh, I think that's the due course here. So we'll give that a shot here, and and uh, hopefully uh, hey, this can uh, play with play without uh, hesitation and problem. So, but uh, the Medal of Honor, I mean, it's, it's it's so very very important that people understand this, and 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 really, you know, again, these holidays are not for uh, you know hamburgers and hot dogs. You know, this, it's not like, you know, I think Christmas gets, it gets you know, is really to blame for a lot of this. Because people think, you know, Christmas and they associate these holidays and, and you know, it's time for celebrate giving gifts and whatnot. Even Christmas, though, that's such a slap in the face because Christmas has really nothing to do with the Lord's birth. Even though that's what people talk about and say that's what it is. Jesus was actually born in October. Um, there's a reason why December 25th 
is uh, is uh, designated for that day. But we're not going to get into that. That's more or less in the religion, religious aspects of things. But uh, the Medal of Honor has nothing to do with religion, um, uh, religious practice or ceremony. This simply has to do with the country, our armed forces, our flag, the men who who, who fought and died for these freedoms that we enjoy. So very important. So very important. I mean, it's just, I just don't know how to stress it. And we see two Marines getting beat up by teenagers on Memorial Day weekend, attacked and beaten up. How disgusting. Disgusting. And it's not like it was one guy who got into a fight with another guy on Memorial Day. I can understand that. That's America. We all fight, you know, and everything. But no. A flash mob beating Beating two Marines, God, it's just absolutely disgusting, man. Come on. Terrible. Let's do this speech here real quick. The Honorable Ryan McCarthy performing the duties of Secretary of the Army. Vice Chief of Staff of the Army, General James McConville. Sergeant Major of the Army, Daniel Daly. And my Congressman, the Honorable Chris Collins, U.S. Representative of New York, from New York. Ram Rods. Of 2-2 Infantry. There we go. Uh, family, my mother, my brothers, Dan, Rand, Tim, Deanna, my kids, Evan, Aiden, and Vivian. Thank you for your support. Your presence and my good fortune to be able to share this occasion with my men, my family, my friends has eased the awkwardness that I'm feeling right now. What's more, I'm especially proud of the recognition that this award brings to my unit, my leaders, and my peers of the mighty ramrods of 2-2 Infantry, 3rd Brigade, 1st Infantry Division. Combatants bear witness to all aspects of the human condition. It reveals the darkest parts of the human soul while residing side by side with the most exalted characteristics, nobility, honor, valor, and God's grace. Why do American warriors under fire do what men have done since this nation's inception? This is a common thread that connects the militias of Lexington and Concord with the warriors of Fallujah. It is our love of nation, our way of life, and our love by those who we serve with side by side. We defend, we avenge, we sacrifice, we bleed, and we are willing to die for this unique creation, the United States of America. I am complete for having experienced that kind of sacrifice with my fellow men-at-arms. And those who died, they gave their lives for me. They gave their lives for you. And countless citizens will never know them. I'm talking about Sims, Falkenberg, Iwan. Gonzalez, Vandenberg, Madison, Gariantis, Shrek, Sizemore, Mock, Rosales, Cardenas, Sprayberry, and Pruitt. Those were our countrymen. Those were our friends. And these men will never get the chance to experience the cycle of life, the birth and growth of their children. They shall not grow old because they chose to stand in our place and face the enemy for us. It's not enough to acknowledge the fallen by name 
or just inscribe their names in marble as proof that they lived and died. To truly honor the fallen, we must acknowledge how and why they gave their lives. Their death wasn't a random act or a splash of misfortune. These men and women voluntarily put themselves in harm's way, prepared to die so that we may rest secured at home. They are the insurance policy that guarantees that our founding documents, our God-given rights, are more worthy than their own tomorrows. When the news that Falkenberg, Sims, Madison, and Iwan had fallen, the reaction, the shock, the disbelief, the grief, it was transformed into resolve and rage to complete the mission assigned to us and give us even greater tenacity under fire. Their sacrifice gave us clear focus to fight using a reserve that we never knew we had. We broke the will of our adversaries. The enemy was defeated. And because of that, we came home. For the infantrymen in combat, there is nobility and purpose in our lives, and that is unique. But we don't see ourselves as a people apart. We are America's warrior class. We are citizens of the United States and treasure this land more than any overseas posting. The Army provided me with purpose and appreciation for the blessing America has bestowed upon us all. I'm forever grateful to the United States Army for making me able to count and cherish those blessings in a way that is unique to most and to those who you, the, you wear the uniform. I think the uniform, I think my Army, has made us all better men, fathers, employees, husbands, and citizens. The controversy that swirled over the Iraq war was not a departure from other wars that America has fought. Just a short distance from where I grew up in Orleans County, on the Canadian side of the Niagara River, it was settled by loyalists who supported King George. With the exception of the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor, open dissent has been at the core of our very being. And war has never been particularly a popular undertaking. American soldiers have never confused the United States with Sparta. The best leaders in battle become that way by being loyal and dutiful subordinates. We don't get a vote. We execute the lawful intent of our government. There is no political affiliation on our dog tags. We continue the war legacy of the United States without regard for adulation or unanimous approval either. The Iraqi veteran has maintained and in many circumstances far exceeded the highest traditions of military service to this great nation. Of the 1.5 million men and women who have served in Iraq, the valor they displayed was often subsumed by political rhetoric at home. But that in no way diminishes the accomplishment of our troops or the accomplishments of my generation at war. The award is recognition of that, and it should be seen as a validation of our efforts, not as a reward for the action of one individual in one house in Fallujah. When I think of Iraq, I think of Colin Fitz, man shot by three separate weapon systems. Nobody would have raised an eyebrow if Fitz he retired. Instead, Colin Fitz returns to combat duty for two more years to shed more blood for this nation that he loves. When I think of Iraq, I think of Chris Oley, the young saw gunner whose job it is to open doors and put down reflexive fire to people who happen to be shooting back at him. 
And he was able to do that because behind him was Sergeant Warren Mesa, ready to pull him out of that doorway and undoubtedly save his life. I have Chuck Knapp, my team leader. Chuck Knapp saved our entire 3rd Platoon Alpha Company 2-2 when he stopped us from entering a building-contained IED that would have killed all of us. I think about Maxfield, my saw gunner, who asked our Doc Abernathy to fix his injured foot in the prone position so he could continue to knock down targets under fire while he was getting fixed up. My guy John Ruiz, who shielded the body of his buddy from incoming fire without fear of risk to himself. When I think of the Iraq War, I think of Piotr Soholis, brave, strong, and steady. Our engineers, who devised and deployed remarkable weapon systems that saved countless lives. Our tankers, 2-7 Cavalry on the other side of Fallujah, that hardly gets any notice for what they did. There were indispensable Bradley crews who busted through walls. Omar Hardaway, James Cantrell, Chad Ellis, who without a functioning 25mm Bushmaster cannon, or tow, or coax, and let's not discuss how that happened. Pretty much almost past the end there, but uh, that's just uh, one of the many speeches, uh, powerful speeches um, of our uh, men. That's uh, sacrifice. Um, you know, it, it's it's just real quick comment here. Doing this podcast show, I see I, these people call in and 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 they have a right to their their opinions and the way they think. They have a right. They have a right to believe anything they wish to believe. Uh, like the other night, we had a, uh, a gentleman call in, and he supports another country, China, a communist country. He supports China and does not support the United States, does not support the land that, that he was born in or the country that he is a citizen in. And... That just gives me mixed feelings because if we all believe that way, then where would we be? If and you know, it just it doesn't make sense. I don't think that that's right. I don't think that those types of freedoms are the the way that freedom should be expressed. There, there comes a responsibility and an accountability with freedom. If just because you have a car that can drive 160 miles an hour doesn't mean you drive 160 miles an hour. You don't drive 160 miles an hour because it's dangerous and you can kill someone else. It's called responsibility, accountability. Because if you do drive 160 miles an hour and you do kill somebody, you will be held accountable. But for speech, those words don't apply, it seems like. He should be held accountable for his speech. His speech, anti-American, anti-country. How many people say, hear me, I'm anti-government, they say. I'm anti-government. No, I'm pro-government. I'm pro-constitutional republic government. I'm not pro-corrupt government. Sorry. I'm going to stand up for what's right. No matter what. Even if I'm wrong, I'm going to stand up for what's right. 
You know, last night I was asked whether you believe in God. Yes, I believe in God. I believe in this country is God. God found God. We couldn't have had this country without God. You know, I mean, I just don't understand. How could you be an American and not believe in God? Now, you have a right to practice and believe whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. And you're free. You are free to do that. You're free to, you know, openly say this. But when you're teaching somebody this and and your words are being modeled after and you're molding the shape and norms and narratives of this country, that's not right. Because you have to be held responsible or accountable. Uh, so, you know, you... You just can't. You just can't be irresponsible with freedom. You can't be reckless with it. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Maybe that's why we're doomed, our republic, because these freedoms existed, and we're only and the drunkenness of freedom will doom us. Maybe that's why this country will not last that much longer, because of our freedoms. And man is, and our government is so desperately trying to restrain these freedoms to save this country, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just instinct. Maybe it's the instinct of man to have control over other people. I don't know. It's the human way. You know, I don't know. But we have a document that says otherwise. To life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, and, and we have amendments, and we have laws, and we have, you know, we, we have... We have Things that 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 vice, these vices that are put in place to make sure that we are free with order, law and order. We can't have mob rule. People say, "Well, we govern ourselves. I have a right to govern myself." You have a right to govern yourself if you are responsible enough to govern yourself. Many people are not responsible enough. Like again, we stop trash trash pickup in New York City for a year. Do you think anybody will be living in that city too much longer? You'll be invaded and taken over by rats. No, because because those people over up in New York City are not responsible enough to maintain that city. So we institute a government to restrain and to take care of and to coordinate and to represent the people's needs. You can't govern yourself. That's why we have elected officials. So, you know, all that, you know, it's just these words we use, we use them so loosely. And many people who use them don't have any idea what war is like, what it's like to take your last breath or to watch someone take their last breath after being shot, killed or cut or beaten up or whatever, taken prisoner. Many people don't understand that. They don't understand what death really looks like. They don't understand what mutilation really looks like. They don't understand what a a uh, 50 caliber machine gun can do to a person, human flesh. They don't understand what bombs can do. They don't understand. They don't get it. They don't understand what it's like to be in total rule, socialism. Communism. They don't understand these dictatorships out there. They don't understand what these 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 the president of China, how ruthless this individual is, this human being is, how evil this person is. They didn't understand how Fidel Castro, how evil this man was, 
or Mao or Stalin. They didn't understand how evil the decisions they would make, how they'd wipe out entire cities and not lose a wink of sleep at night. They'd kill thousands of children and women and not lose a wink of sleep. How does a human soul do that? You've got to be totally induced by some sort of evil. And that's where we come in as Americans, the freedom of hope, liberty, and life, and the pursuit of happiness to spread this message to all parts of the world. And to let people know you can be free. And that's why our founders did it here. Yes, we had slavery in the beginning. Yes, we did this. Yes, we did that. There's no perfect system or government on the world. There's only one perfect government, and that's in heaven. And it's, and it's not a place on earth yet. So until that time comes, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We're still going to do a lot of things the wrong way. But as long as we're out there trying to correct them and do the right thing and working together, coming together, and using our voices responsibly and lawfully, then we can make a change and keep that change going. And that Because when darkness or evil starts to come about in our systems, which it has, we make those changes. That's our duty to do so. And the founders gave us the tools to do it. Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. See who's out there. If we got anybody out there, any takers who want to press one. All right, we got the Sarge, and we got five hundred three. So we'll go to a. We'll see, let's see who five hundred three is first. Five hundred three. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. It's Lucid Libertarian Lorianne oh, here. Oh, okay. <laughs> How you doing? Okay, now I'm going to go ahead and connect digits. Sarge, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to connect Sarge, too. I didn't recognize the number, so I just, I hope this is Sarge, anyway. Sarge, is that you? Uh, yeah, you better believe I'm going to be here when you're uh, honoring, collectively, <laughs> the greatest Americans in the history of the United States. People well, who earned the Medal of Honor. What do you think of my opening yes. so far, Sarge? Uh, that's right on target. I'm, I'm glad you played that clip explaining the uh, administrative details of the Medal of Honor. A lot of people don't even know that there is a pension awarded with the Medal of Honor for every recipient that is subject to cost of living adjustments. Today, it's the equivalent of $1,619 or so. And I would agree that, no, that doesn't begin to compensate them for what they did, but it is a token that they are entitled to, and I believe they can pass it on to their next of kin as well when they die. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that. Wow. What do you think, Terry, 503? Any other pensions that they receive, that they're eligible to receive, the Medal of Honor's lifelong award that is, I believe, irrevocable unless they're convicted for treason or something, I think that um, it's a permanent award for as long as they live. And, again, I think they can pass it on to their next of kin or their, or their assigns. Okay, well, um, what do you think about the Medal of Honor and stuff? I, if, you, if you don't mind uh, your opinion and stuff, um, 503 there. Uh, I'm speechless here tonight. I, when I talk about this Lorianne. stuff, I just, my mind goes blank. <laughs> but go, what do you think? Yeah, Lorian. Um, I actually didn't know that. Um, I've never really – I'm one of those people that you were talking about that I I know of the Medal of Honor, but I don't know – um, the administrative part of it, and or that they're invited to 
um, you know, the gatherings and things like that. Um, oh, wow. And I would hope that, you know, the pension that Sarge mentioned can be, you know, transferable to their spouse, you know, or, and, and or children. Um, yeah. When it doesn't end with them. Um, my my grandfather, who served in the Norwegian uh, Navy Merchant Marines during World War II, um, he was honored with um, the equivalent of that, uh, and I was there for the ceremony, but my grandfather had passed away. Uh, my mom still has the medal and stuff, uh, but the Norwegian oh, wow. consulate um, issued it to him posthumously. Um, and so it is a great honor, um, and it is something that for families to continue to remember them and, and you know, I wish that I was old enough um, when I was younger and my grandfather would tell me his stories. I wish I would remember more of them. Yeah. And um, I just hope that anybody out there, you know, if if you have a family member that has got has earned a medal, um, and you know, I hope that you can listen to their stories and remember it. I mean, nowadays, you know, we can record it easily. You know. Um, yeah. And record those stories so that in the future you can tell your children those stories and your grandchildren those stories and so on and so forth yeah. so that, you know, the pe- these people are remembered. Yeah. I'm so grateful I have, uh, like you said, recording and stuff, just to just to stay on that subject, uh, this podcast show. I started out this podcast show as a family show uh, years ago, and I have, and everybody has since passed away that was on this show, uh, my father, my uh, grandfather, um, um, uh, my uncle, who was a dairy farmer out in Wisconsin, who I grew up with, um, my aunt, uh, uh, my uh, just so many family members who have passed that we started out this show as a family show. We just have family night. We all call in and talk to each other live on the podcast. You know, we just talk about things. It was made, It was really nice, and uh, it turned into something. Really, and it just spun off from there. Me doing this, you know, me talking about other things, and everything just kind of faded off into history. And here I am now tonight. You know, it's just but but recording things. I listen back to those shows, and it's it's really touching. You know. So I can only imagine, you know, listening, if you have a family member that's a vet who has a medal, especially, who's he's got war stories, war stories, pay attention, record them, listen to them, remember them. They're friends, anybody who's got friends, you know, because, you know, look at World War II, what, they're dying off at such a quick rate now. There's not that many left, you know, uh, in the World War II. I remember World War One veterans, when they were dying off, my grandfather saying, hey, you know, shake that man's hand right there, you know, uh, you know they're they're dying off pretty quick. This was in the early '80s, you know. So uh, you know, and they're all gone now. You know, you imagine talking to World War One vet, vet. You know the stories they have. You know they're all gone now. Can't can't get that testimony from them anymore. You know, so it's amazing. Wow. What do you think, Sarge? It is. You know, yeah. uh, Joe, I I've selected a few stories on a few citations of recipients of the Medal of Honor. I don't know if they're really representative of the Medal of Honor, but I've, uh, uh, recipients of the Medal of Honor, again, uh, out of the 40 million people who served in the United States Armed Forces, only about 3,530 people have been, have been seen fit to award the Medal of Honor to. Now, undoubtedly, there are more whose deeds were unrecorded. Yeah. Uh, there were 
many, many, many tens of thousands who performed great deeds of courage and valor who received lesser awards. But to give you an idea of how special the Medal of Honor is, the fact that less than 4,000 of them have been issued to 40 million members who have served in the armed forces is an indication of the high honor that it is and the, and the extreme strictness of the criteria for awarding it. And I, I did pick a few of these uh, persons just that I think are somewhat representative of them. And All if right. I could, I think yeah, kind of yeah. Outline. Go ahead, do your well, thing, man. Well, the most recent man to receive the Medal of Honor is a man who got it for actions. Now, he was awarded the Medal of Honor on the 3rd of March, 2023. But the action for which he earned the Medal of Honor was on the 18th of June, 1965, during the Vietnam War. Now, he was twice nominated for the Medal of Honor, but both times the paperwork that related to this nomination disappeared. So the man's name is Paris D. Davis. He was a captain with the 5th Special Forces Group, and it finally the paperwork finally was found, located, or whatever, and in a recent ceremony at the White House, Potato Head ordered this, awarded this great man the Medal of Honor. And I'd just like to tell you what uh, the account that he wrote uh, in a report. Yeah. Is he still there? Sorry, is he still there? Sarge. Yeah, it sounds Everybody like he was cut off. And yeah, yeah, we lost him. Let me type it in the chat room there. I lost him there. Anybody else? Guys, if you're in the chat room, if you're, I got about five callers. I lost two callers, actually. Uh, I wonder what happened. Two callers. I see the others. You're still there. Yeah, well, huh. Lost you, Sarge. Lost you. What the hell's going on? Yeah, I see. Yeah, you're still there. Good. Lost you, Sarge. Hang on. Let me start. Sarge, you got disconnected, Sarge. Lost you, Sarge. All right. Hopefully you can... Uh, Hear me, hear, hear me. He's. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Yeah, you're still there. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> I don't know. Well. Wait. Well. Sorry. Sorry. He's probably still talking. <laughs> he muted himself. Yeah. <laughs> he muted himself. I think that's what he did. Yeah. Sorry. Sarge! <laughs> you got disconnected, Sarge. What, what the heck happened, man? He had this problem the other night, too. Sarge, you got muted. Sarge, you got uh, lost you, man. Lost you. Lost you, man. Uh, I hope he didn't get a, doesn't have a thunderstorm going on at his house or something, you know? And uh, and uh, maybe he lost power or something. But, uh, man, I, I lost two callers that signed right at the same time. It was Sarge. Uh, well, Sarge's number's still on the screen. And then I lost it. Here goes this other guy just called back in. There Dude, he goes. I've had he Blog called. Talk do that to me, too, where they drop yeah. them, but Blog Talk still says they're on. I, it hasn't happened for a while, but that happened to me, too. Yeah, yeah, ago. yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why is, why, um, what, did they ever say, give you a reason why? No, of course not. Oh, really, well, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Did you make it to? Did you go to the conference today? Did you go to the conference today that they were talking about? No, I didn't get it. Get the info. Um, I checked my email. Didn't see anything from anybody to passing me along huh. the info. So I did not attend. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Um, 
before we get too much into that, hopefully Sarge attended, and when he comes back, he can talk to it. But um, I did. I sent this uh, article to my sister who lives in Georgia now, uh, okay. and uh, Medal of Honor recipient Luther went home to Georgia. Uh, Luther Story was posthumously received the Medal of Honor for his remarkable heroism during the Korean War. Henry attended Memorial Day ceremony featuring caps and a helicopter flyover. Previously buried as an unknown soldier Memorial Cemetery in the Pacific in Honolulu, uh, Luther Story was... uh, at Andersonville National Cemetery after the military identified his remains using DNA, dental, and anthropological analysis. He was reported missing 73 years ago following a fierce firefight in South Korea. Um, so that's a long time. Yeah, wow. So, Hang and, on, uh, I, think I, got, I, think, I think I got, let's see who this is. Go ahead. Who is this? Is this you, uh, Sarge? Yeah, it's Sarge. Oh, no, this ain't Sarge. It's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joe. Joe. You. <laughs> How you Joe doing, man? How you doing? Look, I was looking for right. you, but you're, um, you were, um, you started your show late. Or maybe I misunderstood. Yeah. I uh, thought you would start at 7 or 8 o'clock, but then uh, I do. Lori looked it up and I show. looked it up. I, do. I don't that's know, my Tuesday's staple show. Staples show. Yes. Yeah. That should be steady because everybody should know where you are, just like you should know where every other patriot is on Block Talk Radio or, no, or on the other platforms. That's then correct. Again, I, like I said, look, I was looking for you today, but that's okay. Cause you I know, said that you I know. Wanted me to... I know. Yeah. And also, also, what about this conference today, this afternoon? Did you go to the conference? Ah, uh, we missed it. We did missed you? It. Okay. Oh, oh, here's Sarge. Sarge yeah, is back. He did the conference. Maybe he can fill us in, Joe. Good. Yeah, hey, I don't Sarge. know what happened there. I got, we got, we got get screwy around here at nighttime with my internet. I got Joe on the line, too, Sarge. On the internet. Huh? I got Joe on the line, too. Joe joined us. Yeah, I heard him. Uh, how you doing, Joe? Hey. Yeah. So, so, they well, want you. Again, they want you to talk about the conference today, real quick, if you don't mind, Sarge. Before you get to your well, yeah. well the uh, the conference went very well, actually. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we got uh, a great deal. We had our main topics of discussion were the uh, imperatives of the Juneteenth celebration. Who is entitled to be the face of Juneteenth? Uh, you know, and what the ramifications of it were. We talked about the debt ceiling and how it was going to be and what were the implications and ramifications of debt ceiling. And we discussed uh, the uh, opportunities for economic change in the black community. And uh, I thought it was very interesting, very productive, a lot of good information was put out. And, uh, you know, um, we were going to get to a lot more subjects, but we went into a great deal of uh, detail about those three, and we kind of didn't get to everything we, we planned to get to. But uh, it was lively discussion. It went on for about three hours. So, you know, we're, we're going to do it again. 
And uh, it'll be, uh, hopefully, it'll be a little bit less freewheeling, a little bit more focused, but a great deal of good information was uh, had by all. Mm. All right. Any solutions? Any solutions? Any plans for activism? We talked about solutions over and over again. Uh, You know, with specific programs, recommendations, rejection of certain courses of action that are proven to be utterly unproductive and disastrous, and those that are grassroots, led by the people closest to the action, closest to the community, who understand how to motivate the people that are involved, not remote bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. And who's going to do it, or what group is going to do it, and how are they going to do it? Uh, we were mainly talking about models. We were mainly talking about models of how to accomplish it, and we realized that the existing models would serve as the basis for new ones. Well, that's a good start, and that's a good start, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's at the very beginning. On STEM fields of research, engineering, medicine, uh, chemistry, metallurgy, things like that. See, next thing, Joe, next time, Joe, what we can do is uh, hopefully you'll join us, Joe, uh, you know, and, and we'll all be there. The numbers will grow, and we can lay out a plan of action. You know what I mean, Joe? What do you think, Joe? What do you think should be a good way to get solutions? To get solutions? Well, yeah. Yeah. I think that right now, the things that are working right now are lawsuits. Lawsuits okay. have stopped Biden in his tracks in some ways. Lawsuits have stopped the governors in some ways and mayors. They are legal actions that have been taking some sort of effect. So okay. to me, if anybody knows of good lawyers, um, good patriotic lawyers, that's a good step, too. Because no. I was watching, I, forgot, <laughs> I was watching, what was it? I think it might have been court TV or some crap. And they had these sovereign citizens come on, right? And these yeah. sovereign citizens are up, are up in front of a judge. And they're going, well, Your Honor, I do not represent myself. I represent an identity. And I do not recognize the, um, the laws that you represent. And then they took them away and put them in jail. So, you know, <laughs> right? So, I yeah, mean, yeah. A lot of good it did, right? It's just, right. So, we need good, of course, good beginnings. But what I'm looking for are for, for people who do have a, a good plan of what, what resources are you going to use? How are you going to contact them? What are you going to use for leverage? Stuff like this. The models. Yeah. I don't know what the models were. They're probably a good first step, you know, because some models probably work. Then, of course, you modernize them and you bring them up to date, et cetera. But, guys, everybody in this line knows we've only got two fucking years, right? I, I agree. Well, here's the thing, though. We, 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 we were deciding that whatever actions are taken, the best actions with the most likelihood of success, especially success that will be enduring, is action undertaken at the state and local level. We need to free ourselves from these labyrinth, leviathan federal programs that wind up being boondoggles and sinecures of corruption for people who, who can manipulate the funds and put on the best uh, accounting acts. So we, we all agreed with that. The money needs to go. They need, we need, that means the states have to reassert their sovereignty. They got to free themselves from the control of Washington, D.C., to the maximum extent possible, and leave D.C. to those things 
that the federal government gives it authority in and nothing else in the deep state bureaucracy and the bureaucratic state, and we think we'll be a lot more efficient with the monies that we spend. Well, well, that's true, Joe, and that's another thing, too, is there has to be, mm-hmm. if we do start off with a state, there has to be funding, you know, that we have to put our pennies and our little nickels together. Be surprised how much a grassroots group can really raise as far as money goes, you know, but there has to be responsibility and accountability, too. You just don't piss it away. You know, it has to be done on what Joe's talking about, like, for instance, lawsuits and stuff like that. All that stuff costs money, you know, sometimes, you know, unless you get all the fees waived in court, you file a motion to proceed in the form of paupers, but you can't do that in a class action I think so so you know so you know it has to be money money has to be uh, into a, some sort of treasury and and uh, then it branches out from there you know you got you're down there in Georgia you know Georgia and North Carolina Virginia Washington you know vice versa imagine if we had all 50 states of, of blog talk radio show hosts we had like seven or eight in each state imagine That's a good idea. Power. imagine the power yeah. we'd have Joe and It'd another thing, too, I was thinking about another solution I had recommended on the dis- disrespected trucker show, because that guy was on the lower level of the Ottawa convoy. And he did, oh. he, at the beginning, about, about two months ago, when I suggested it, he liked it. But then when I suggested it even further, he, 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 bought, he, he backed away from it. And here's the yeah, he got nervous. Yep. Yeah, yep. and I don't blame him because, you know, he almost got his teeth kicked in. They took, they um, uh, almost confiscated his bank account, all that kind of good wow. shit. So I don't blame him. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they so get scared. So he, hey, goddamn right. That's what they're, uh, you know, the government's all about. So I'm suggesting yep. this. Everybody wants to be a leader, right? So I'm saying yep. everybody stay a leader. But what everybody should do is this. Have an exchange. Have a particular um, meeting place. And like, for example, Joe, you're a landscaper. You can barter out your landscaping services to somebody who, let's say, is a trucker. The trucker uses your services. You use their services to transport whatever you need. And we make, you know, we have an exchange of people in all the 50 states. And everybody stays sovereign. And let's say Sarge is great at data, you know, data analysis. He can bought around his services to somebody, and he can even trade that service to, let's say, you, right? He can yeah. trade his data analysis to a trucking company. The trucking company can then provide a service for you. We find out who needs what, then you share when you need to, and everybody remains the leader of their own circle. There you go. I like that. Yeah, because you, you don't get into personality conflict, conflicts then, you know? Yeah. Not only that, it's decentralized. I think we need to have, we need to stop looking for a great leader in one leader and become a a a, a network of leaders. Yeah. And that yes. way, right. you know, we you get things accomplished and people coalesce with each other and can and work across Precisely. coalitions to achieve mutually supporting objectives. Yep. Precisely. Precisely. And me, point. I can contribute by writing. By, uh, I was a former marketing director. I can contribute some marketing ideas, some copy, stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know. Well, laying down, so the, laying can, down, really, really laying down a formula of success and, and control uh, and controlling that success you'd be good at because, like, you ran your show the other night. It was very good, very militant, and very oh, really? direct. You like that? Yeah, I thought oh, it was I pretty good, yeah. That, uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't think it made an impression on most of the people because I thought I was offending people by trying to make sure that there was a um, a law and order within the the show and trying to break down to the um, the nitty gritty 
Nobody left. Joe, as a veteran <laughs> of chaos on Blog Talk Radio Show, <laughs> trust me. It is a refreshing it is refreshing to have some order for legitimate information and be exchanged. Believe me. Now I know I've done my share of contributing to the chaos. But I do it I do it in response to the chaos that is inflicted upon me. Believe me, thank you both for telling me that because I thought I was doing the right thing. And thank Laurieann for keeping her cool, um, you know, for being the hostess of the uh, co-hostess of the show. Laurieann, you're still there, right? No, so, but you know, I mean, you know what? I think it is valuable to make people realize that you know, because you impose a time limit on someone, generally, I mean, not to be rigid. But a general time limit on somebody to get the comments out, it forces them to focus and become more disciplined in what they want to say. They don't become repetitive and ramble endlessly. Yep. yep. And here's another, here's another thing. We had seven people on the show last night, nine people in total. Now, suppose we're, it was a different show where I allowed all the chit-chat and everybody talks for eight minutes like in some shows they're allowed. That's eight times seven is 56 minutes. So it would mean um, – Eight times, um, eight times five would be forty minutes. Before, um, yeah. It, uh, what am I saying? I, know what you're I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I understand what you're yeah. saying, though. You yeah. can't wait. I mean, if you're the eighth person and you got to wait seven people to, for eight eight minutes apiece, you got to wait fifty six minutes for your turn again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, I, yeah. honestly, when it comes to expressing an opinion, I think most people, at least the car, look the the host can run it any way they want. It's their show. They can do whatever they want. I, that I believe because when you own something, you get to do it the way you want to. But when it comes to the callers, there is no reason why any caller should not be able to express a thought and opinion within two to three minutes. I don't see any reason yeah. why they should. Yeah, I've been saying at that least for years. At least thirty-five, and less than a minute is desirable goal for me. Well, like that lady last God, night. Yeah. Like. Well, that lady last night, too, you knew uh, that was on there or whatever. She oh, started Jane, rambling uh, on being repetitious. I know. And the thing is, is that um, she goes to Don's show on Saturday. Actually, she actually is good for Don's show because there's only a few people there now. And so she yeah. pushes the show along. But her bad, her bad, bad quality is that she's, she does not know when the end of a sentence is. She always seems to grab you <laughs> right before you finish a sentence or the middle of a sentence. And she's been told that and, and it's been hinted to, and she still doesn't. I think she has, like, a need. I equate that to her maybe when she's growing up and she had a fight for scraps at the table or something. But, yeah, but I mean, everybody, yeah. But, um, yeah, Gene and, Gene and John Doe. John Doe's always said that I never give him enough time, you know. But well, he always carries on show. forever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's a patriot too, and Gene yeah. needs oh, yeah. well. But the thing is, is that we gotta concentrate. If we can't concentrate, we are gonna die. We are going yeah. to die. I know, I know. You're right. I see it happening already. You know, I do. I see it already happening. I see the backbone being taken out of the American spirit and resistance. 
You know, I just see that. There's nothing. There's no substance anymore. Everybody's scatterbrained. Everybody's oh, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. Oh, yeah. And we're not getting anywhere. You know, yeah. and like you yeah. said, Joe, two years. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's looking like right now. <sighs> two years, we're done. We're done. Oh, God. You know, they almost did it know. this year with the debt ceiling crap. Oh. The debt ceiling. How about the burning down of... Go ahead, Sarge. Well, I was just saying, that, that is one thing I'm grateful to the service and the police force for, teaching me how to make a report succinct and concise, because states attorneys to see a police report loaded down with police jargon they got to wade through, because they got a 1,000 cases on their desk, and they got to be able to read everything crisply and concisely. And let's face it, in the armed forces, the less you say, but the more complete you are, the better, because literally things got to get out fast, fast, fast. And that's yeah. one thing I am grateful to both the police force and the armed forces for ever teaching me how to do. Yeah. So you guys sound like you're underwater. Yeah, he does sound a little off tonight. He does sound a little off. His phone does. Oh well, okay. it might be because you know, I got I got this weird internet lately this time, and I, I gotta I gotta really oh. jump in my internet services behind because they really are screwing up lately. You too. I was they yeah. they Joe suspended knows all my about service. That. <laughs> oh yeah, right, Lori. Holy jeez! Yeah, Good wow. God, they suspended my service and they brought it back. I'm so glad That's you guys told me that you enjoyed the show time. last night. Oh, yeah, you like that, Joe? You made me feel. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Oh, thank you, because I, I I was thinking I was doing the right thing. I was going to continue to do it like that, um, but. You know, I'm, I'm always open to uh, to anybody's criticism as long as it's not obnoxious, you know? Yeah. Well, it went well. Yeah, it went well. Learn, you know, you know it, it went very, very well. It's one of the most valuable things you can get is constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the most yeah. valuable things you can get is constructive criticism. I mean, uh, you know, because a lot of times you don't see it. It's just takes an outsider to see things you're doing wrong. It's like when you're boxing and, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and your manager, your coach can see, uh, flaws in your technique that you just can't see. The right. chat, the chat room, the chat rooms. I, you know, I, I don't usually pay too much attention to. Usually, I mean, like for instance, my chat mm-hmm. room at my peak, I think I've only gotten about maybe thirty people in there at my peak one time. That's good. You know, and man. I remember what the old chat room. What's that? That's good. Thirty chat. people in the chat room at the same time. Oh yeah. How well, many people I mean, do that on okay. Blog Talk Radio? I mean, that's the Joe. Yeah. <laughs> you were in that one of those, I think, Sarge, where I had, you know, 20, yeah, yeah, I remember, people. I remember you see that money, but I don't see yeah. that many shows with that many people in the chat room. I see some of maybe 10 or 12. That's a good number. Yeah. 15, yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's another. But yeah. That was, yeah, you, know what, you, you know what the most was I saw? Something like 150. That's because I forgot the guy's name. They had their own real radio show, and they, um, and they combined both of them together. So oh. it was like 150. Wow. So okay. well, how, about, how about live callers? How about live callers? I've had I've had actually up to about fifty at one time on my pa- panel. No, you know. Shit. Oh yeah, that's oh, not fun. Oh, I've gone ten, fifteen of them live, and it just turns into a mess. Everybody's talking over everybody. Yeah, you, know? you talk. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. never had nearly that close to that many live callers, and the, that would just be utter and sheer chaos trying to manage. <laughs> it um, is. It is. It is. It's hard well, to keep track. All the numbers don't fit on the screen. <laughs> well, you got a valuable tool, though. I'd be like interrupting Joe like five thousand time. times, like, "Hey, we got like you know ten more people raising their hand. We don't know who the hell is who." <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
But, but yeah. again, your most valuable tool in those circumstances is the mute button. True. That's why True. I start. I started my show because I, when I've done this before on other people's shows, when I try to question them, and they know that I'm pitting them up against the wall without being obnoxious. Sometimes I guess I am. But most of the time, I don't think I'm being obnoxious. I'm just asking questions and trying to find direct answers that are relevant. Then they get, well, thank you for calling, Joe. And then they mute me, <laughs> not me. You know, uh, you know, that's why I got the mute button, so I could control it. That's what yeah, I was trying yeah. to do. I wasn't trying, I I I wasn't trying to put people... <laughs> Joe, you, know, huh? you destroyed the Republic platform I had. I, you went, you came in here and you got the, you told, you cut to the chase on them and they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> I know. They, I know. they told me it was you and Mike. They said it's either us or no him. Shit, they said, really? listen, they said we're not coming back on there if you have that guy on or Mike. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I said, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I can't, I'm not censoring people. You know, so, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I told them to get lost, basically, after that. You know, and then they really cut me loose, too, because you said, would they support me? And they, like, stuttered. They, like, you know, and I'm started thinking, Well, they had, to, they had to support you, but they didn't. They were fucking yeah. dressed-up individuals. They may yep. have had, years ago, some good intentions, but you were involved with that movement and the real movement 10 years ago, and they actually started yep. out being a ground a groundswell movement with the real people from the military and Ron Paul oh, yeah. trying to think of ideas. But then these people came along, and then they're talking about the Northwest Ordinance and the Northwest Passage. Yeah. You know what? We don't need any, uh, any document to let us, the American people, know that if the American uh, government is so corrupt that they're going to realize, put us into the ground, into our graves, that we need to rebel. We don't need, you know, the Northwest. Well, Jim, we, that we, guy, Jim Carpenter, uh-huh. Joe, that guy who calls himself the governor of the free state of Colorado, he, and then you're absolutely right. He's been riding on the coattails of that movement of 2010 for all these years. And he's burnt, and yeah. really, like you said, it, people have, have called his bluff now. You know, I mean, you know, and, and he's dried up all his connections and, and, and the stuff he was told years oh, ago. He'd release it on my podcast, but that stuff was told years ago that was going to happen. I never said nothing, you know, and, and he ran out of stuff to tell, you know, and there's nothing else to tell. It's over, but he's riding on the coattails of all that. And like you said, they're dictators, too. They don't want no one to get involved in their little circle, and that's not right. You know, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Plus, it was all it's, fantasy land. Uh, they yep. have a governor yep. there. You have an adjunct general over there. What's your jurisdiction? My jurisdiction is not <laughs> an adjunct general. My jurisdiction is not the governor of the free state of Illinois. But what's your jurisdiction? What power do you have? I have the power of the people. What fucking power do you have, you stupid bastard? I have the power of the people. What can you do? None. You got no power. Oh, I'm in trouble. I can't fucking, help you. They drive me fucking nuts. They did, Joe. They did have rangers. They had rangers all across the country that would help people when they got in a jam. And uh, and one of them turned into a police shooting once in Arizona. I mean, it's just, it was a very big movement. It was huge. It was huge. Oh, you're talking about the legitimate movement 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, years years ago, yeah. Not these people. Not these people. Oh, no, not these people. No, no, no. These people. They even had a headquarters in Utah. Yeah, they had a a big corporate building in Utah. That they were using, and they, they used oh, that for yeah? conventions. Yeah, they were big. What happened? Uh-huh. That must have been so What happened to them? Yeah, that's oh, well, was, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, just me checking yeah, well, the dial tones, get the dial tones back on the other phone. Oh, okay. Um, no, what happened, Joe, was uh, the guy, Tim Turner, 
he ended up getting he got arrested. Uh, they seized the bank account and everything. Forty million dollars worth of gold. They had the Republic had silver, uh, all kinds. Of, they, and then they invested in this, the, the Iraqi dinar. I remember that. And uh, there was a lot of the federal government came down, crashed down on a lot a lot of them. Obama, the Obama administration took them took a lot of them out. There was they uh, unseated a lot of people in the military because of it. It was a lot of hush hush stuff. It was big. It was huge, yeah. man. It, this, this country was on the wow. brink of really something big. I'm going to tell you that right now. But, I mean, they were in all 50 states, Joe. They, they were. They, we, nope. we, we had meetings in here in North Carolina with four or 500 people in seven towns on a Saturday. Seven different towns with 500 people. We, you yeah, know, I mean, it was, really? I'm dead serious. Yeah. Dead serious. I was there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It was it was insane. Nice. It, they, it was on the news. Nice. They served all fifty governors. They served all fifty governors with notice, and, and, and it was all let over me, the news. Let, yeah. Let me guess what happened. Yeah. You had infiltrators because I bet you oh, the yeah, FBI had the fucking of course. people in there. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And that's what I'm worried about. Shit. You know, we did we we start networking across. And Sarge has even brought this up. If they will, they will, they will like. What did you say, Sarge? They'll they'll like make us secluded into. Or how do you say it? I forgot how he said it, but they. they uh, the danger is isolation. That the isolation. government they isolate all those people, and this is what they regularly do. They can muster any an infinite number of federal resources to isolate contain and even destroy dissent when they're ready to. I think there's yep. safety and strength in numbers. Yeah, there is. But you know what my solution is to that? The same way. Remember when you and I were doing the grilling, Joe, and I asked you if yep. you would be willing to take a lie detector test about every six months? Yes. That, yep. that is what every organization should have. Never, You never trust anybody. You know why? Because even I if know. they are the biggest patriot in the world, they have relatives. And if somebody right. comes along from the federal government, the, from Schwab, from uh, Soros, and they come over to you and they say, hey, we, we know where your granddaughter is right now. Yep. You know, we, yep. we can right, blow our brains out, right? No. So you, you, you institute lie detector tests because the people who are true patriots won't be afraid of taking them. You know who they did that to, Joe? They did that to Ross Perot. Ross, remember Ross Perot oh, when did. he ran for president? Oh, I remember, yeah, but I don't remember the lie detector test. No, no, no. They 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 snatched up one of his relatives, and they were they were they said he oh. said they had photographs of 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 one of his relatives, and they were no. going to release them to the press. But I think they were going to kill one of them. That's that's I got inside information on that. I don't know how oh. true it was, but that's yeah. what somebody told me. But he dropped out. He was leading in the polls, and he dropped out, and then he came back he in. He was leading in the polls. That's right. Yeah. And this you is know? real. This is real life. I mean, this this shit happens all the time. Oh, because yeah. they have the millions and the billions and the trillions of dollars. All they have to do is um, is buy a cartel member, or buy one of the mob, or buy one of the Colombian mob members. And what do they do? They just say, visit this person because he'll be at the restaurant at this particular time. Sit down next to him, show him a picture of his granddaughter, and say, how would you like to to find out she's dead tomorrow? Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. And so it's that's huge, and that's that was another thing with the Republic. I remember they wanted uh, they we had uh, they had sixteen Navy SEALs that were going to provide security for the top people of the Republic, and they wanted thirty two million dollars for the security, like a Secret Service for a year, you know. And I remember them, them voting on that, you know. So 
Because because there's threats. You get too big. Because you know things happen. You know you're talking about the yeah. United States government here. You know it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Fucking deep state will kill us in a fucking moment. Oh God. We're yeah. too small right now. But if we do combine forces and start to get, let's say mid level people elected. Large, yeah. 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 People elected too, Joe. They'll be. Hmm. Get uh, people elected in office. Man. You know. Yeah, of course. It's like Truman said. You know, some, uh, and, and speaking of some of these folks that are adversaries, shall we say. Now, you know, when I first started talking to Brother Warren, when I called into the show, he was actually reasonable, and seemingly at least, amenable to listening to another point of view and responding to each point of view. Really? And that's what we did. <laughs> the first two or three, and you know, I, you know me, I don't pull back on nothing ever. But it was a civil conversation. We were having, uh, you know, discussion on the issue. I think he thought with his superior wisdom and the superiority of his cause, he would win me to a side if he just gave me enough discussion. But when he saw that I was able to rebut every single thing he said, point by point, that's when he turned into a rabid beast. At that yeah, time, he began there you go. to be you think he's a provocateur? That's what they do. Let me ask Joe this first, sorry. Well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm Joe, just saying, think... Joe, this is, a, this is a common trait amongst <laughs> these people. This I is know. what they do when they can't convince you. They'll try, to, first of all, they'll use the velvet, the iron fist and the velvet glove. And when, the, and when that doesn't work, they take off the velvet glove and they start hitting you with the iron fist. And that's what he did. Yeah. You I think he's a provocateur? Say, is, oh, well, not on my show. He wasn't. No, no fucking more. Now you want to lie with him. He's not going to fuck with Sarge. He's not going to fuck with anybody on, the, on that show, like Glory like pointed out. You know? Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, you said it right off the not. bat. <laughs> yeah, I told yeah. him. I said, well, no. I can, I can understand way. why you want to do it, but believe me, I'm, 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 I'm acutely aware of all these tricks because... It's a common trait of the progressive left and Marxist. They all operate this way to varying degrees. All of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're right. I mean, right. I was telling Lori the story of how you probably are being fired by cyberstalkers today. That was my fate years ago, and they were, and it wasn't even because of political reasons. They just didn't like the fact that I had. I was making sense, and then I could defend myself in a comical way, and, and put them down and make them look stupid. So they followed me. One guy even devoted uh, his show a whole hour against me. It's like, really? um, who was it? Yeah. Who was it, Sarge? It was that woman who devoted her show to you, me, and Pianki <laughs> because she didn't like the answers that you guys gave. And, and, and myself, I gave a few answers she didn't like. So she devoted an hour, <laughs> wow. an hour and a half. You just have the uh, ability uh, to make women just fall right in love with you, don't you? <laughs> I sure do. Boy, I, I have that. Uh, I have internet pheromones. It is amazing how quickly they run out of patience with you when they find out they cannot convince you easily. They are convinced yeah. of the moral superiority of their cause, and they will brook mm-hmm. no dissent in the long run, ultimately. 
And you yeah, were so right, right about the rapid reaction. I thought you were going to say that Warren actually listened to you and actually had changed some of his views. And I'm saying, wait a minute. Oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't going to happen. I knew that wasn't going to happen. I just, <laughs> all I wanted to do was contrast my viewpoint with his. I wasn't at all interested in converting him because I could tell that I wouldn't be able to do it. But I did at least think we could have a civil exchange of ideas so other people could test or, or, or compare our viewpoints against each other and then line it up with the evidence, the facts, history, and all that other stuff. And people come to their own conclusion. But he wasn't content mm-hmm. with that because he could see I was de- decisively beating him because <laughs> I was able to answer everything he said with some kind of empirical evidence to back up what I said. He would narrate, and I would go to history and facts. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm telling you that. In the long run, that's always a loser unless you're just rallying up a crowd. I mean, demagoguery works frequently. But, you know, when people are actually trying to think about things, that, that doesn't really work very well. But I'll tell you, Sarge, even though you don't mind defending yourself and you like to get in, maybe you like to get into these kind of battles, that's not going to happen on my show because it takes up too much time. Okay? Yeah, even if it takes seven minutes, it takes up too much time away from the other people. That's why I, I, I shut them down right away. Oh, I I would definitely prefer that. Believe me, I would prefer that. It just so happens that in today's nasty atmosphere, there are elements out there who just won't allow that to happen. I mean, I I know discourse in the United States has always been kind of rocky. You know, always. But uh, today, we're entering a new phase that uh, may be unprecedented. I mean, not necessarily in terms of violence. But in terms of pervasiveness, yeah, being so, spread out know, from coast to we, coast. We just got to yeah. increasingly forward. I know you can control things on your own venue, but I'm talking about in the wider world of discourse. In the wider world of discourse yes. now, people are looking for battles. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I sure hope so. And I, I wish you would tell Lori that because Lori told me last night that she thought that the uh, show sucked. I'll wait for this reaction. I did not. Wait you lie. Wait for this reaction. Lie to make the woman look bad. <laughs> oh, here we go with the sex, sex and the gender thing. You know, gotta gotta satisfy your own ego. I understand. It's a man thing on this love. It's a man. Oh, she understands. She's the one who said I was trained. That's the way to train a man, she said in a text to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm well, uh, man, it's some truth. It's some truth. It's some truth to the fact that we all got us whipped a little bit. We we all whipped a little bit, you know. But there's ways to get around that being whipped, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's true. Well, once you're past 40, I hope that, because I hope that most people, most men aren't whipped. I think that we realize once you, you know, and I'll be talking about that next week. The thing is, is that when you pass 40, you, you don't look for just the beauty, which is nothing more than just a pancake mix put on her face. You look for inner beauty. You look for, for compatibility. You look for softness. You look for cooperation. You look for morality. So after 40, yep. We don't have, we, we're now, uh, hopefully, the majority of men are not whipped, you know. Maybe when we're younger, yeah, we're going after the, you know, the, uh, I don't know. If, I guess 
Uh, we're going after the vagina, you know, just for the vagina, but no more. <laughs> when you're 40, uh-uh. Different story. Well, I, I got to admit now, I'm still kind of whipped, but it's with one woman now, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's the one woman who's capable of whipping me, not just the general idea of being whipped, just get me something, you know what I'm saying? Well, if she's whipping you, she's doing right. it in a good way to make, if she's whipping you with gratitude and appreciation, hey, show me her sister. But if she's only, you know, but if you're going to be whipped simply because of a vagina, I don't think that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, let's face it, man. Look, women got a hold on us that is indisputable, and it just is. I can now, dispute you, you it. You can fight it off. You don't have to surrender to it, but there ain't no denying that it's there. If they have the capability and have had the capability for a long, long time, but men are waking up not only to the political reality of today, but also to the fact that there are women who will love to manipulate men. And those are not the kind of women that men go for as much anymore. The Megtown movement, the Megtown yeah, movement would be my is about. Sister. Yeah, you would, yeah, uh, yeah. She has a. Yeah, well, that, the Megtown uh, movement only works though because the game was that women knew what their part of the bargain was. Yes, we acquiesce to women's demands and their imperatives because that's the way I think nature kind of set it up. But a lot of women today are not fulfilling their end of the bargain, and that's the basis of the Megtown. Precisely, movement. precisely. It is not about. People in the MGTOW movement who don't want to date women, there's a certain faction that does that. It's about MGTOW right. men realizing that we have to look within ourselves to find out that we are just as worthy, if not more worthy, than the women that we're pursuing. And if they don't match up and bring to the table what we bring to the table, hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, like I said, there is an unspoken contract between men and women that both sides expect to honor. Women have expectations of men, men have expectations of women. And I think lately the balance of power has shifted beyond what it was intended to by Mother Nature. Well, okay, I don't know if that's true because Mother Nature, for everybody, everybody says, well, men are hunters, providers, and women are the uh, weaker sex and... And they may or may not be true, but in today's times, Sergeant, which I believe you're alluding to, we don't have to kill the dragon anymore. Everything is push-button computers, mouse. Everybody can do the same job unless it's physically um, a physical difference. So we don't, you know, women don't, they say we want, we want to be strong and independent, and that's why you men are intimidated. Bullshit. We love strong, independent women. Really strong, independent women. Don't say you're my equal on Monday and you want to be treated like a princess on Tuesday and then you want to be a victim on, on Wednesday. Uh-uh. If you're going to be my equal, be my fucking equal. That's right. Okay? Oh, this, be held well, there's no doubt it was what you said about technology. Technology definitely is a playing field leveler. There's no doubt about it. The problem oh, yeah. is, though, is that technology, I think, has exceeded the capabilities of boundaries or limitations of our human nature. I don't think that our human nature, whether or not technology does in fact create the things, is caught up with those characteristics that are essentially, not completely, but essentially immutable in men and women. And I think that's why you got so many unhappy men and women today. I'll be talking about that next week. 
I'll be talking about why men and women are unhappy. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because, I mean, if you look at it, you know, uh, 50 years ago, you know, or 60 years ago or something, before computers came along, you know, it was like a really big deal for a teenage boy to actually see, like, a live naked woman, you know, or, you know, or... um, it was a big deal to look at the J.C. Penney, you know, lingerie section of the catalog. You know what I mean? Like it was, a, it was a yeah. big deal. But now, with the internet, you know, it's, and with the fakery, you know, I think that's a big thing too. Is like, it, it, technology and the fakery uh, has warped not only women's minds and their body image, but also warping men's minds. And you know how, you know, a naked woman's body is no big deal anymore. You know what I mean? It, it, it like, lessens the value of it, and then they fake it out, you know? So it's like, you know, and now, like, I, I, I have guys on my Facebook that are posting all of these AI pictures, and I honestly do not think that they realize it's an AI. Like, this is not an actual real woman. You do realize this, right? It's a fucking <laughs> AI-generated photo, you know? And they're, like, acting like, oh, yeah, I would hit that. And it's like, you can't because she doesn't fucking exist. She you doesn't get it? Exist. You know, like, <laughs> you're, not, yeah, you're not in the well, real fucking know. world. You're not going to have this tiny little thing with tiny little legs and tiny little waist and, like, size triple Z boobs. It just, you know, it doesn't happen. You know? <laughs> So I don't even I don't even think I don't even think women like that look natural. I mean, for me, it's a turn off. What turns you know? me off is the fact is the cleavage. I mean, if you show cleavage, you can be provocative without having to show cleavage. That turns me off. Now, with you, is the fake boobs? Yeah, a lot of men don't like fake boobs. I don't care. I mean, if you if you were like a thirty two A and now you're a thirty six B or thirty not a thirty six C. A 34C because of uh, silicone. You can enter my boudoir any old time, sister. <laughs> no. Well, 34C doesn't kill. sound like you're stretching. Well, well 34C doesn't sound like, like you're like stretching like the bounds of normality now, does it? I mean, well, 34C is like women. within the bounds of a normal woman. I'm talking about these things that are just. Uh, you know, uh, unnaturally, you know, uh, except in a very few women that exist, these are unnatural oh, yeah. 46 Bs. Oh, yeah. oh that, no. There's no, no, 34 no, Cs no, within no. the bounds of what you see on the typical woman. Yeah, I'm talking about, well, like, I'm talking about where it looks like they're literally going to tip over. Like, you know, if the wind hits them from the back. <laughs> You know, that, that's a they're going to be falling I mean, in. They're going to be falling down oh, and yeah, not being able to get up with those big hooks. Uh, that, that, that doesn't <laughs> happen to me at all. Then I agree. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's different if it's natural. Women, the rare woman that's natural that way. But, you know, when it, when I know it's artificially enhanced and they look like that, it's a complete turn off to me. I don't particularly doesn't feel to me at all. Tell me a woman. Now I'm not talking about electronically enhanced. But tell me a female who's not artificially enhanced. Show me. Show me a woman. Show me a woman. Every woman. Every Every woman walks out of the house with makeup on. That's being artificially enhanced. Oh, well, that's different. That's different. I'm talking about surgery. I'm talking about surgery. 
Oh no! Oh, surgery! Oh, surgery is a big business. Brother. More women. I'm, yeah. about more I'm, not, I'm not talking about things like makeup. Yeah, a lot of women will spend more I money. I only wear makeup on, on like a very special occasion or like a job interview. Otherwise, yeah. I very rarely wear makeup. Like it's probably been when I had a couple of job interviews, um, I put some makeup on, but that was like the first time in. A couple of years, you know. Well, you're very rare, then, Laurie. You're very rare because I know women who say they will not leave the house to go across the street to the store without makeup. No. Okay. Yeah, she's fuck that. You know. You know. <laughs> you know. Because just going to the you're damn prisoner. grocery store is not a fucking beauty pageant. Like why, you know. That's oh, yeah. what I like about my late wife. She almost never wore any makeup except very occasionally. A bit of eyeshadow, maybe some lip gloss. She almost never wore any makeup, and I loved her like that. Loved her like that. And then let's talk mm-hmm. about hair. You know, I don't know. I personally do not know a guy that actually likes women to hairspray the shit out of their hair, color it, <laughs> dye it, do all this shit to it, and then they try to, you know, run their fingers through their woman's oh, hair and it's <laughs> French, you know, dry point. and brittle and you know, like a, it's like a like a like a dried freeze dried rose or something. <laughs> like <laughs> all her hair yeah, is gonna like, fall out, ugh. you know? <laughs> well you don't hit no thorns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> no. Oh. You know, I mean I I think a woman I think the really the most beautiful woman uh adhere to the motif of less is more. And I think that really works for them. Say that again, Sarge. I can barely hear you. Yeah, I, I think that. the most beautiful woman in the world adhered to the motif of less is more. Oh, okay. And I don't yeah. mean just well, not well, having yeah. a problem. Moderation. If, if she has the self-confidence, especially if she knows she's not especially good-looking, that, um, that's a turn-on to me. Because, look, every woman takes off the makeup, and there have been times I've gone into the bedroom and then just by the first 10 minutes, by face upon face, getting rid of that makeup and then seeing seeing what she looks like now, I can't, couldn't, not recognize that. Where did you come from? I I, kind of go along (laughs) with that, too. Now, I, you know, on, on really special occasions, the woman wants a doll or something like that. Okay, but I'm talking about. But you know that she's just doing that like on a one-off occasion. I really prefer a woman who is the way she is most of the time. Well, yeah, but I just think most women without makeup look ugly. I don't blame them for wearing makeup, but the guys, you got to get, you know, you got to give guys credit for when they marry these women. And you got to walk around the house now seeing the women without the makeup on. And you're actually seeing the raw, and it's not beauty. It's not enhancement of beauty. It's covering up of ugliness. And you got to see that, uh, that creature walking around the house. You know the man's in love. we got to get credit for that. <laughs> yeah. What was that song in the 60s? Well, especially if it's like yet? a shock. If you want to be happy, <laughs> better be alive. Just make an right. ugly woman your life, your wife. Remember that song? Oh, I remember that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, better make a, an ugly woman make your wife. Make an ugly woman your wife. 
You got 
when I'm on the phone with uh, with Laurie's show or on on Joe. I don't know about your show, Joe, but <laughs> I usually carry around a um, an echo with me. You haven't heard it tonight, no. have you? No, there's no echo with you. I don't, I don't know why, but that's good. It's good luck then. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time. I don't know. Um, yeah. Most of the time. I have the echo. You get 10, Joe, you get 10, 15 people on the phone line, right? And you get seven live, right? And and you can't connect anybody else sometimes if they got a bad head. Like if they're not using good equipment, you get two, three people that are calling on their cell phones. You forget it. You the, the calls all drain themselves out. And for some reason, the cell phones overtake the headsets. I don't know why. I noticed that. Hmm. At least my experience, anyway, through my computer system. I don't know. I don't know how you guys log in. I don't know if you're doing it through a phone or a PC. I'm always on a PC. Oh, no. Lori's got it down to a science. She has, uh, she uses Direct Connect. Really? Okay. Yeah. I use Direct Connect only, yeah, on my laptop. Um, I use Direct Connect to start the show with the host. And then, um... I just mute my microphone and stuff and the speakers um, on my laptop, and then I call uh-huh. in to the gas line using my cell phone stuff. And I do that as a backup in case my cell phone drops and we're in overtime. And then I can just switch everything over to my laptop uh, um, via the direct connect. And I think that's the trick to keep from hanging up on everybody um, once that bonus hour has ended. Because I hardly ever go. have that problem. Because I'm direct connected using the host, you know, as the host, yeah. and that's just connected. And so, but I noticed, like, on Joe's first show, um, I didn't do that. He called in using the host line, and then the very second that bonus hour was up, everybody got dropped. Bang. You know, and so right. last, I remember so that. on Wednesday, I did my did it my way, and I'm like, let me log in. Um, via my laptop on Direct Connect, and I'll start the show. Um, and then just in, then Joe and I both called into the guest number, um, and it went off without a hitch. I mean, uh, John Doe and I were on until like after eleven o'clock Pacific time last night, um, <laughs> but just jabbing you, away. Did, <laughs> but did you? Yeah, I was there. Did you? Did you two? Did you two start talk, uh, talking in the green room after the uh, after eleven? No, uh-uh. You know why? Because when you take a look at the download time, it's only two hours and nine minutes, I think. But when, if you start talking and you ended a half an hour after the show, right, that would have been at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. The download is only until about nine minutes after 12. So 22 minutes was not recorded on the download for some reason. Oh, yeah, that's how it happens. Like mine, mine usually goes about the same. Usually, like four hours, twelve minutes is the recording time. Uh, even though you uh, know we've been on for five or six hours sometimes. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know when the once the switchboard and everything shuts down, um, and you can't you know interact with anything, and whoever's on is on. Then after that, it's not a part of the show's recording. Uh. I wish I had enough money to to have bought Blog Talk Radio because this could have been such a goldmine. So many oh, people I know. want to express themselves, right, Joe? I know. So many people want to express. Oof. Oh, what I could have done with it if I had like, what? How, how much would it have cost to have bought it back in the day, like sixteen, seventeen years ago? Two to three million, something like that. 
And that well, why not make your own? <laughs> yeah. You know, make your own with the servers. So you probably got to get a server, you know, that that's out of the Netherlands or something, because you won't be able to do it on the regular Internet that you got here in America. You know, you'll have to get an overseas surf, server, like uh, in Switzerland or the Netherlands. They sell them online. I mean, so, and, and, and you, you buy it, you pay through that. You, you pay through that. Pay, and, you know, there's lots of ways of doing it. My dad was helping me do it before he passed away. I even had an FM transmitter, FM, AM transmitter, uh, that, but, but I, I needed a license to operate it, of course, you know. But uh, oh, I could yeah. turn it on and, and broadcast for about 10 minutes and just shut it down real quick, you know. So it, it was good. Uh. It, was, it, it was real nice. AM would be something to look at. An AM station, they say the equipment's astronomical for the fees and uh, the cost. But I don't know. I think you can probably find somebody who wants to sell out, you know? Right. I mean, there's a church right here in, my, in Reedsville that has an AM radio station in their church, and they never use it. You know, it's insane. Oh, you know what? That would be, that would be good for you. Because when you start yeah. running your campaign... You could you could have um, a communication center right from that church, all borrow their equipment. That'd be equipment. nice. Or, That'd be nice. Yeah. I, I believe me, I'm already talking to them. Trust me. <laughs> I haven't gotten go. to my reasoning hey, yet, though. <laughs> when do you want me to grill you? You asked me the Wednesday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, well, um, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's see here. How about uh, well, what nights works for you? You want to do it on my stable show night, or what do you want to do? You want to do it, uh, what do you well, think? I was you want to do it on off night? I don't care. I don't care. Uh, I mean, today's Thursday. You can do it tomorrow. You have a show tomorrow? No, I'm not doing nothing tomorrow. Let's see what's, what's tomorrow going. Okay. Friday. Let's see. Hang on, hang on. Uh, we want to do it on a good listening night. I've seen the num- you know, numbers-wise. Uh, how, uh, how about Sunday night? Sunday? Okay. My what's show. Nine o'clock? Oh, that's your oh, okay. That's okay, right. no, we don't want to interfere with. <laughs> no, we don't want to. I don't want to step on anybody's toes because since we're all trying to link up here, you know. Um, so what, let's see yeah. here. Why don't we do it on Lori's show? Hey, Lori, you won't have to play any clips if we do it on your show. Hit there you hit. go. <laughs> okay. We can get. We, yeah, well, we can get you know, some. I haven't really been able to play a whole lot of clips because. Uh, Conversation on the show has been pretty good. We could be a um, guest on your show. There I you go. Mind. I could be a guest. That's right. Yeah, I'll, I'll get. I'll That's bring right. over a bunch mm-hmm. of people to listen in too. And then I'll grill them, and they'll show people how to vet a politician. There you, there you go. That's a good title of the show. Yeah, and then Joe can be on for more than ten minutes before hanging up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, no, it'll, yeah, take, it'll take about yeah, it'll take about a half an hour for me to grill Joe. Yeah, yeah. Well, about half an hour, 45 minutes. That's what it took last time, yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we'll show people how do you vet a politician to know, to find out, to make sure that once he gets into office, you will realize as the, you know, as the voter that you voted yeah. for the right person because you were getting And I put on my political face that. now. I, I, <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. I put on my political yeah. face oh, now. Is it? This is serious. Yeah. This is serious business. You yeah. know, you talk about my, you know, I take this very serious. We're running for public office, you know. So this isn't, this isn't a talk Absolutely. show now. You're talking about key issues that I have to back up, you know. That's right. As a matter of fact, if you want, I should prepare that. Because what I, what I would do, I, to me, it doesn't matter what the issues are for any candidate. Because every, everybody's resume is about the same. They were either an activist or a lawyer or a doctor, and they try it, and they help yeah. out the community in some way. What we really need is... People who will say, 
I will do this within the first month or so of my, after having been elected, to prove to you voters that you can have faith in me for the remaining four years or six years. Because we all know, once you get into office, what happens? Everybody's susceptible to the, to the lobbyists, to the, uh, to the glitz and the glory of, uh, of Washington, D.C. Correct. We have to have, right. So I'm glad that you suggested that. Because how many, I'll bet you no. As a matter of fact, Lori has a, um, uh, has a, uh, had a, a potential candidate for governor of Oregon, right? What was her name, Lori? Uh, Amber Rich- Richardson was uh, the main one. I had a, a couple others on, too, but Amber you Richardson Romero. was the main person. You had Romero, which was good. Yeah, yeah. Amber is the one I'm thinking of. And she was the one who was telling me when I was trying to grill her, she was saying, Joe, you just want me to give you the answers that you want. I said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's right. You know, because as far well, as I'm concerned, the political yeah, that's the thing, Joe. Let me just not to not, hang on, Joe. Not to interrupt you, but that's the thing. Okay. You see, I like what Joe is doing because you see, there's no script and there's no I, there's no format where a politician should get a lot, be allowed to know what questions are going to be asked. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or how to answer them. Yep, I'm right there the with thing. you. I never pre ask people like you know what. Here's what I'm going to ask you when you're on my show. That's not how I operate. You know, I let them know that you know, hey. Here's some topics, you know, here's some topics that, you know, I would like us to cover. And that's about it. Um, Let me warn you. And then go off script from there. Let me warn you, Joe. What I do suggest is if if you, on your show, if you feel like having a candidate, uh, anybody that you're going to interview which you feel is an interesting and important um, guest, you should simulcast with Lori. Because one talent that she does have is that... She'll say, I'm only going to keep them on for about 20 minutes and half an hour. And this freaking woman, she always keeps them on for <laughs> over two fucking hours. Every time. All the time. Every time. I know. Every time. I, it's like, okay, well, they're only scheduled for an hour. Um, so blah, blah, blah. Not and even. It's like they end up being on for like a full fucking three hours. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's there like was some um, show uh, that... George Norrie. Oh, yeah. so I'm saying, if, if you ever, Joe, if you ever have a good guest, and if you want to make sure that this guest is going to talk and talk, simulcast it with Lori, have Lori, you know, do like say co-host <laughs> or do the hosting with you, have have that guest on, I guarantee you that guest will talk and talk and fucking talk and talk. She and, and Lori doesn't say that much. She just knows how to keep the person talking. So that's a talent that she does have. You know, how about this brother Warren yeah, guy? I'll comment here and there, or I'll ask yeah, a quick question, or, oh, will you clarify this? And then I just, like, let him go. <laughs> how about this brother Warren guy? And then they're like, <laughs> you, you want me to get into this topic in depth? And I'm like, yeah, go for it. That's why you're here. And then I just kind of kick back yeah. and shut up and let him go. <laughs> Well, yeah. we we, uh, oh, we, we 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 asked that Warren guy, you know, uh, last night or whatever. You, you know, you, oh, you wanted right? to debate Sarge. You wanted to debate Sarge, you know, or it was two nights ago we asked him. You know, you wanted to debate Sarge, and uh, he backed down. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> he he knows his his lane, man. Uh huh. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not. 
He, but he gave a reason for it. He's, I'm beneath him. I'm not worthy of him. He wouldn't lower himself to debate me. Oh, no. Uh, and he's, he's, I mean, that, that's his excuse. I love he knows he's going to get his ass whooped. That's why he won't do it. Uh, well, he he knows I love it when they do that. I've had that same kind of thing happen where it's like, you know, I'm presenting too many facts. <laughs> And they're like, you're not worth this even talking to anymore. I'm not going to waste my time with you. And it's like, yeah, what, right. because every single point you're making, I'm giving you evidence that, that shows you yeah, that you're right. not correct. You know? Uh, I know. Oh, I'm yeah, not worthy. Of, okay. Oh. Yeah. No, I can't waste my you're time with you. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. Oh, man. What a cop-out. What a cop-out. One particular, one particular debate I really would like to uh, be a part of and a moderator of would be between you, Sarge, and Naj. Because he, I call him the cosmic disruptor because he's, he's pretty good at sophistry. You're good at facts. It would be like the immovable object uh, <laughs> meets the irresistible, you know, the irresistible force. So that would be a nice debate. I haven't heard uh, that. Really John. We've gone extensively at each other over periods of time without a moderator. Do you remember I mean, that I, 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 uh, Sometimes we go for long as an hour, hour and a half, back and forth and back and forth. Really? And back. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I like to hear it. You, you, miss, you remember like to hear it. You, sorry, do you remember that guy or Joe? Do you remember one of you guys or, or even Lori? You remember that guy, Black Jesus Minister? Oh yeah, I remember him. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't remember him. Yeah. No. He, uh, he he's a big mouth, another ten times worse than Warren. But he says he's uh, he says that Jesus is black, you know, black Jesus minister. That's what he calls himself. He he, oh, he calls right? him the champion of debater. Okay, <laughs> uh, a champion debater, a champion masturbator. Yeah, yeah he's a champion. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until they get into the ring, and all of a sudden they uh, they they get. Um, either um, a loss for words, or they have to deflect, or um, yeah, or use yeah. some other excuse. Yep, I actually yeah. got him on my podcast show, and actually, Howard, this is Howard Stern. Excuse me, did two clips of my show. We did one with him, and another one with another crank caller that called in. Actually, uh, Howard Stern. Really? And uh, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, they were both, both of them, I didn't think they were that good, but everyone else thought they were hilarious. But uh, I had this black Jesus minister, and uh, Caitlyn Jenner called in, and uh, that's, that's, that was the big Oh, Caitlyn. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's, she's, she's no longer <laughs> I just let, laid into her. I laid into him. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, you know, he wasn't worth my time. You know, he's a homosexual, uh, bag transvestite. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was laying into him. <laughs> Uh, well, that's, that definitely fits um, Howard Stern's format, you know. Oh, yeah. And a joke of oh, yeah. the news. Mm. <laughs> Good old Caitlin. Jenner. I miss the guy that used to call in and ask us if we could bend over and lick our own ass. I kind of miss that? that guy. Who's that guy? Oh, he was a free caller that, was, that used to call around all, all, a whole bunch of conservative shows and he would sound like really rational and reasonable and like friendly and stuff for a while. Oh, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he'd be like, uh, "Can I ask you a question? Can, can you bend over and lick your own ass?" And yep. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. God, here yeah. we go. You never had, you never had that joke. That's the guy to wait 
online before you pick him up, something like 20 minutes, then he'll, he'll, he'll surreptitiously make you believe that he's actually there, you know, to, uh, to enjoy the conversation yeah. and to join in on the conversation. And so he's waiting 20 minutes. He gets on the show for 15 or 35 minutes. And then, like Lori says, all of a sudden he'll come out with, hey, can you guys, uh, you know, like, bend over and lick your own asshole? The people <laughs> oh, going, geez. what the? What the fuck? What a fucking idiots. <laughs> Why do they waste your time? Don't they have lives? I've I, been attacked over the years, Joe. I've I know, been attacked. And then oh, the funny part is that when he did that one time, I was like, are you a furry? Do you identify as a dog? Do you go around your house sniffing each other's butts and licking each other's assholes or something? Is that why you're so fascinated with it? I was like, you're a furry, aren't you? <laughs> you're a furry. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And oh, Joe, yeah. you have been attacked over the years. Yeah, I oh, saw God. it too myself. But yeah. you politically, Sarge politically, um, Laurie not yet. <laughs> Way too. You Laurie not hasn't yet. tasted. Laurie hasn't tasted the the bitter tongues of people who just want to lay into her simply because she aggravated them over nothing worthwhile yep. at all. Yeah. Yep. Because I'm libertarian, I fully expected I would be pissing off everybody on the right and the left. I mean, that's what libertarians <laughs> that's what I would even think. do. You that's, know, that's <laughs> what I would think. Yeah. But you haven't yeah. done it yet. Haven't you? Haven't tasted it yet. You haven't been like uh, like Joe had ten people on the show, and three of them are three of them are cranks and trolls, and I've had six oh, God. people on my show. Yeah. I've gotten death threats even. You know, I mean, they've probably said they wanted to really. Oh yeah. A couple of years ago, some guy called in. He, he said he was going to kill me and kill a You know, he's just real stupid. You know, and it was real, oh, real, real okay. jackass. But he was serious, though. You know, and I told him I'd leave the porch light mm-hmm. on for you anytime you want to come by. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a shotgun waiting for your ass. So come on by. You know, stupid. You know, why would you call into an internet yeah. show and, and threaten to kill somebody? You got to be an idiot. You know. <laughs> what about these, these assholes nowadays in line with what you're saying, that they actually put on Facebook and YouTube their crimes, they photograph their crimes, they video their crimes, oh, and they yeah. put them on YouTube. Idiots. <laughs> wow. Why, why would they do that? I don't know. I don't know. They, I don't know. Do they not expect the cops yeah, to find out? Yeah, this will be great for my TikTok hits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm a star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're a star. Everybody wants that Nightmare. ten minutes of fame. They want it. Yeah. You know, they thrive for it. That's right. But now you're a star. You're a star pincushion in jail. Congratulations, Sonny boy. <laughs> uh, oh my lord! It's, I don't know. It's I don't amazing understand. what some people will do, right? It's amazing. You're right, and Joe. I want to ask you that. I want to ask yeah. you that actually. What? What? I mean, society in a whole, in general. Do you think we could really fix this? 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 Really? This society? Can we? You say we got two years left, but can we turn it around? And if we do, what do we do? We with can, but people? it'll take it'll take a concerted effort. It'll take somebody, uh, more than one person. It'll take a bunch of people with brains, with um, with gumption, with raw courage. I mean, raw courage with, with the deep state. Yeah. Soros and everybody else coming after us, especially those who take up the leadership role. If you have yeah. them, then we can. The military, 
Some people think that the military is on our side. Other people think the military isn't. I don't know. So that's an up-and-year yeah, issue with me. I do not know. I don't know. But we need the military no matter what. We need them. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I, I agree with you. I don't know if the top brass is on our side, if the lower levels are on our side, if we got a bunch of jack right. thugs in there, that, you know. Yeah. And it's what going do you think to get Alex Jones? What about the problem? Huh? Yeah. What do you think of Alex Jones? That's another damn good question. He was condemning Biden, uh, not Biden, but Trump, for not, for not uh, recognizing that the vaccine is a deadly bioweapon. And then just about a month ago, he gave him his support. He endorsed Trump. Yeah. So I have to ask yeah. myself, whoa, what's going on? And even before that, see, Jones is very intelligent. And Jones oh, he's is very smart. good at He's a good people. interviewer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he knows how to make people become aware. But if you notice... The guy, he says, I've read all their white papers. I've read all their books. I've read their documents. He's talking about the New World Order. But he yeah. never, ever has them on his show. He talks about them in his articles. But there's no yep. reference to them on his show. He says, you can look it up. Forget about looking it up. If you've got the documents, make copies of them, put them on your show, put them in the library, have people come to your show, and don't say, look it up. Say, you can stay right here. I have the library. Here's the white paper. Here in this particular article, in 19, mm, or, or 2005, here's what was said. That would, that would give him credibility. So I have to wonder yeah. about Alex, too. Yeah. I have yeah. to wonder about him. You know, he's very, yeah, very, you know, if he's, if he's a patriot, he's a damn good one. But if he's not a patriot, he's a damn good fake. Yeah, well, he was friends with Ron Paul really good, you know. I mean, Ron Paul's no phone, phony, you know, Ron Paul. No, Ron Paul's the real deal. Yes, he is. You know, Aaron Russo oh. was too. So, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if you, you know who Aaron Russo was, right? Yeah, he also said that the, the Rockefellers funded the uh, neo-feminist movement so that the more taxes could be paid into the government. Aaron Russo yep. was a friend. He, he befri- No, the Rockefeller, one of the Rockefeller nephews befriended Aaron Russo and tried to turn yep. him into a globalist. But Aaron Russo yep. said, no way, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He died of cancer, Aaron Russo, you know. But, but uh, yeah, yeah he, could, he, he woke up, well, he ran for governor. That's what it was. He ran for governor, you know, and he got a lot of the uh-huh. vote. That's what caught their attention. So what you guys were saying or other people say about how when people get in there, once they're elected, they get approached by these people, and you know, and they turn. They become Absolutely. corrupted. That's what I'm afraid they, of. Yeah, they turn. Sure, they become easily um, susceptible to sex parties, too. Why don't you come over? We're having a little uh, shindig, and uh, I'm glad that you got elected. So why don't you come on over, and I'll, we'll introduce you around to some of the uh, the people in Washington. And it sounds like a nice, um, harmless, innocuous idea. And all of a sudden, you got a 16-year-old girl approaching you, and you don't know she's yep. 16, and then they got you. Yep, she was oh, like they know Yeah, you're totally you know. in an Epstein situation, you know. Yeah, Maxwell yeah. Epstein situation. You don't even know it. Yeah. And here That's he is. Crazy. He's photographing you in the bathtub. He's photographing you in the toilet. He's photographing <laughs> you everywhere, Epstein. And then, you know, then you're beholden to him. Yep. Right? You're, oh, and then even if you're not corruptible, that will... They will show you a picture of your grandchildren. 
And, you, and what are you going to do? Look at JFK. Right. You look at JFK. You know, I yeah. mean, look at his brother. His brother gone. And there was over a hundred assassinations oh. associated with JFK. Over a hundred. Crazy. Really? Yeah, over a hundred related wow. to it. Oh yeah, they had the whack cousins. Uh, you know, cousins of cousins, friends, the people that did the whacking. You know, oh, killing. They had to whack them. <laughs> you know? I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew insane. there were about there were there were layers of ass, of assassinations that were. Um, going back to the Clintons when he was uh, governor of Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Clinton's got a lot of blood on their hands. A lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know there were last. I didn't know there were a lot of assassinations to the Kennedy uh, clan. Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. That's it's sad. Insane, man. It is. That is so sad. You know, uh, isn't it all sad, Joe? You, you say that, Joe. Isn't it sad that you, you, you know, for freedom, for something good, you have to risk your life? I know it's a bitch, isn't it? And and in America, we're raised that it can't happen here, but then it does, and then it's too late for most people. They say that I don't believe it. That is one of the major obstacles to people rising up against the government. Yes, they believe that government and in, in, um, in general, they're full of corrupt politicians. But up there yeah. in Washington, D.C., where they would actually sell out America for 21 pieces of silver, they don't want to believe it. I know, because that happened to me. I did not want to believe it. And then when I finally believed it, that it's actually true, that everything else fell into place. Now I understood why the dishonesty was pervasive. Now I understood how certain deals were made. Now I understood why uh, certain politicians broke their, uh, broke their word, because... People are willing, very willing, born here in America. Um, they've taken advantage of the American freedom in the system. They've, um, they've won campaigns as mayors, and yet they will turn traitor for yeah. money. And you have to ask yourself, isn't there, isn't there, it's like Diogenes, always looking for an honest man. Where can you find the fucking guy? You know? I know. It's like Truman. Know. It's like Truman said, he never, he never knew a politician who, once having entered politics as an honest man, walked out of politics as an honest man. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'm paraphrasing, wow. but that's what he that's what he meant. That once yeah. you're there, you're corrupted. You walk down the corridors of power. And Joe, and you're starting to get that feedback issue again when other people talk. Yeah, I'm hearing it myself now. Oh, let me tell you. I am. No, no. I'm the Joe with the perennial uh, feedback. It's me. Me and my app. Okay. Usually I can fix it by... Let me see if I can fix it like this. Because I, I can't call back in, right, Joe? You passed uh, the no, time. No, well, we're in overtime. Yeah, they'll be All right, let me fix it. Oh, we're in overtime already? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me see if this works. How's it now? That seems better. That, yeah, that's, that's better. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds all right. Well, since it's about... Yay. Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm getting it. I think back. Anyway, not to disrupt the show, because I do that as a matter of course with this fucking app of mine. <laughs> let, me, uh, <laughs> let me bid you guys adieu. And yeah, you wanted, we'll probably you turn do, it in anyway. 
You want to do the drilling on Sunday, or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, Joe. What? When you want to do it? Whenever you're ready. Doesn't matter to me. We're gonna do it on Laurie's show, show, right? Laurie's show. Yeah, if if she's agreeable. I'm on my show. Sunday night. When do you want to do it, Laurie? Okay. Um. Uh, my show is uh, three hours plus overtime, so okay, okay. Uh, anytime between six and nine Pacific time, nine to all right. midnight Eastern. You said it's all right, so Sunday show, time, like, with, uh, Joe. My intro no, you said and, like, a time, Joe. You guys said a time. You guys said you said a time. Well, how about nine thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time? Is that good for you, Joe Lori? Yeah, sounds good to me. Cause, okay. Because you, you, she will finally finish her outro messages, her clips, her uh, promos for next week and a half. An hour. <laughs> so we, we we should be we yeah. should be we should be ready by then. All right. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. All right. So nine, Sunday, nine thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right on Laura's show. I like show. it. Sarge, did you yep. hear that? Where's Sarge? Sarge? Mm. Is he on you? I don't uh, say, that that say, say, say that again. Did I hear what? 9.30 p.m. this coming Sunday on Lori's show will be the grilling of myself and Joe again. Okay? He'll be the, he'll be the potential candidate for whatever office he deems. And then I'll be the person who will show my particular style of grilling our potential candidate and showing people, hopefully, when they download the show, that this is how you vet a potential candidate. You don't do it by taking a look and see how handsome he is, the bushy hair, how good-looking she is. You find that you get commitments from the person um, that will show in within one month or two, okay, that this person is either worthy of our vote or you get rid of them. So that's going to be the uh, the thrust and the gist of the um, of the um, of the grilling, but um, we can take it any direction you want, Joe. Oh, oh you I'm mean people down. actually have to look at substance? Oh no! <laughs> Isn't that an amazing concept? Yep. Oh no, hey, Sarge, that's, that's right. We, Sarge, we didn't do your tribute, Sarge. Sarge, we didn't do your tribute. Which one? The Medal of Honor. The stuff you were going. Remember, you got disconnected on me. Well, yeah, well, I can see that was taking another tack, but I'll be perfectly happy to finish that any time. Okay, okay. Next next show we do, we'll we'll, uh, open up with that. We'll open up with that Tuesday. How's that? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, Tuesday. Unless you want to do it tonight, I mean, because they're going to cut me off any minute. I mean, they can cut me off. I don't have much time left, so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I actually picked out five representative stories, I think, that, represent different aspects of the Medal of Honor. Uh, some were awarded for combat action. Others were awarded for the sort of stoic heroism that chaplains get the award, the Medal of Honor, for that don't have anything to do with killing the enemy, but have to do with every bit as much examples of courage. Got another example of uh, incredible uh, heroism by sailors, a Marine, and members of the Air Force. So, you know, I kind of got an um, eclectic mix of Medal of Honor recipients, but all of them show the kind of courage it takes to be uh, the recipient of that award. Okay. All right. I'll all tell right. you, one well, of my um, favorite recipients of it 
is um, Smedler Budley. He wrote the book. Um, he was a two-time Congressional Medal of Honor winner, and he wrote the book War is a Racket. Smedley Butler. Yes, Smedley Butler. War is a Racket. Yeah. You got that right, that's for sure. Yeah, he got the Medal of Honor for uh, uh, Haiti, and uh, the other one was for the Spanish-American War. Yeah. What do we want to play here at the end, then? What do we want to play here? Uh, George Carlin? What do you like? Joe likes comedy. Well, he'll probably hang up anyway, so. I like play George Carlin? Oh, Carlin? <laughs> Carlin? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll play some George Carlin. Here we go. Life is filled with interesting things. That's why I could never commit suicide. I'm having too much fun keeping an eye on you folks. Watching what you do, human behavior, that's what I like. Humans do some really interesting things. Like besides killing ourselves, we also kill each other. Murder. And we're the only ones who do that, by the way. Humans are the only species on Earth that deliberately kills members of another species for personal gain. Or pleasure. Sometimes it's just fun. We're also the only species that deliberately kills members of another species for personal gain. Or pleasure. That's what hunters do. They kill for pleasure. That's us. Human beings, interesting folks, murderers. Here's an interesting form of murder we come up with, assassination. You know what's interesting about assassination? Well, not only does it change those popularity polls in a big fucking hurry, <laughs> but it's also interesting to notice who it is we assassinate. Do you ever notice who it is? Stop to think of who it is we kill. It's always people who've told us to live together in harmony and try to love one another. Jesus, Gandhi, Lincoln, John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, John Lennon. They all said, try to live together peacefully. Bam! <laughs> Apparently we're not ready for that. Yeah, that's difficult behavior for us. Not too bright, folks. Not too bright. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, and you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They say we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. You say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that, and the kids still can't pass the test. They say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. That's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass. The school looks good. Everybody's happy. The IQ of the country slips another two or three points. And pretty soon, all you'll need to get into college is a pencil. Got a pencil? Get in there. It's physics. Then everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. Education. Politicians know that word. They use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things. The flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing some ground here. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. There I'm talking go. about the real owners now. The big, re the wealthy, that, the real owners, the big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. They're, they're, they're irrelevant. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. 
They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media, media news, all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. You know something? They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. And you ain't it. You and I are not in the big club. And by the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Man. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. Sleep. But say what you want about American folks. Yeah. You can uh, say what you want about Americans. You can call them smart, dumb, ignorant, innocent, naive, gullible, easily led, whatever you want. You're going to have to deal with them. You're going to have to deal with them because you're in the television business now. You got the all suicide channel on cable TV. <laughs> what do you think about that one, guys? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Well, man, I miss yeah. him. He was. I, yeah. I was just. Oh, man. If he was still alive, imagine. Oh. The shit that he would be saying. I know. Yep. It's before his time. But then again, <laughs> yeah. But then again, he wouldn't be alive anymore. Not in today's censorship. He was. Yeah, he right. Would die You're of right, cancer. Joe. Yep. Yeah. He would die of cancer. That would be inflicted upon him by the deep state in some way. You're right. Well, anyway, guys, it was like good talking to you tonight, man. I appreciate it, Joe. As yeah. always, enlightening, and uh, look forward to the debate. Yep. Lori, yep, thank you. Sunday we'll night, and as a matter of fact, I was working on um, I'm working on getting my show for Sunday night uh, set up, and so I will link to you, Joe Gibson, and I will put a blurb in there that 
that uh, there's going to be a nice little debate. Um, yeah, cool. I'll, and I'll forward it on Twitter, too. Going we'll put on. it all over the place. Yeah, we'll get Joe a famous debater there. We'll make him famous. <laughs> there's another thing, Joe. I found out by accident that you actually have 21,000 downloads a month. You have to tell people that more often. It gives you credibility. Yeah, yeah. It makes people realize that other yeah. people besides just blog talkers are listening to you. You have your um, your podcast on different platforms, 21,000 from a person yeah. that's unknown. You're not on yeah. the real radio, yet you have 21,000 downloads. Yeah. You've got to learn how to accentuate the positive. <laughs> as the yeah, you're right. Goes. You're right. You're right, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm in a lot of other know? countries, too, though. You know, I'm in, I'm in like, uh, I'm even in China, believe it or not. You know, uh, you know so I guess, yeah, they said I've, I got 1% over there. So 1% of that 21,000 is getting them over there. So <laughs> whoever that is, <laughs> was that 100 yeah, people maybe? Yeah, I got you know? people listening to me in China, too, and I don't get it. I'm like, why is why are the Chinese so interested in my show? Uh, you know, I, I don't get it because uh, they're like number two. I'm looking right now. Uh, 6.5% of my listeners are from China. Really? Wow, you, know what you beat me in China. You know, <laughs> you know where that's from? That's from Chinatown in San Francisco. That's probably how they registered the um, these numbers. Yeah, probably. Probably, you're right. The Chinese yeah, Communist Party has enough Chinese so they can assign one person in their country to monitor every single American in the United States. There you go. Wow. Didn't think of it that way. Think about it. They do. And remember, the Chinese law says that any citizen of China, anywhere in the world, when asked to perform espionage, for the Chinese Communist Party and the nation-state of China is obligated by Chinese law to do so. Now, that I did not know. No, really. I didn't either. It's I learned something new. It is true. It's in Chinese law. Every citizen is subject to being requisitioned to perform espionage work upon a demand of the Chinese government. Huh. Well, I'll tell you something, you guys. I do not doubt it one bit. Did you know that the Greek Constitution has inside their Constitution that no no politician who is limited, I mean, elected to their particular higher office, the equivalent of Congress, cannot be uh, prosecuted for a crime? It's not really? like our Constitution, where you where you can't be taken off the Senate floor, you cannot be prosecuted for a crime in in, uh, in the Greek Constitution. Huh. Well, also, I got, I, got, uh, I got three private numbers that have been listening. I don't know who they are, but they're listening, so they, don't, they, well, they just want to listen, which is fine. But to say good night to you guys, he or she, whoever you guys are that are listening here. So got three listening. So, but then I got Joe, right. Sarge, and Lori. So, hey, not bad for a late night, you know? No. No, it isn't. Good night, John hey, Boy. All right, guys, take care. Go, hey, oh, here's the show. Well, <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Take care. Uh, good night, Joe. Good night, Lori. Good night, Sarge. Right. See you.